0: On Saturday, six members of the gang known as Street Thunder were ambushed by the police. On Sunday, the warlords of Street Thunder swore a blood oath to avenge their dead. Assault on Precinct 13. It's war in the streets, it's terror in the night. It's the most shattering assault on a police station in history. Assault on Precinct 13. Rated R,
1: under 17, not admitted without parent. <laughs> How are you uh, doing?
0: You beat you beat me to it. Got the the rudest cat in podcasting sitting on my lap. The cat that fucking hates podcasting. So I might have to yell at him at some point during this thing.
1: You've got the the John Lithgow from Footloose in cat form over there.
0: <laughs> yes, he, he insists that po- podcasting is immoral, and he, he's going out of his way to stop podcasting.
1: He'll come to his senses when he sees that he's about to lose total touch with his daughter and he sees people burning old iPads in trash cans by the by the school.
2: <laughs> Satan is not in these books.
1: He's in here. Podcast about it, it'll drive him crazy until the end. <laughs> it has been ten months since we have recorded together because I'm pretty sure there have been no midnight horror shows in between.
0: When did we when did we do the purge episode
1: of your show? Wasn't that the summer or it was in March. It was in March? Yeah, because Purge Day is March 23rd or 26th. I better check before yeah. it happens again. But Yeah, that was, a, that was the last time we recorded together. I don't have anything against Ethan Hawke, but I feel like we need to say we're not only going to do Ethan Hawke movies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's two in a row. Although, I don't, I don't think a lot of people really remember the fucking remake of Assault on Priest in 13. I think... Hopefully we can turn some people
1: on to this thing
0: because I feel like it was largely ignored when it came out.
1: And, you know, I was one of the people that largely ignored it and we'll get into it a little bit. I think it suffers from misfit Syndrome, where if it had a different name <laughs> after the original changed, it would be liked a lot more. Right. But I guess before we get to that. And we might get to that very quickly. We don't have any order set up, but we originally, being John Carpenter fans, we knew we could get together and talk about John Carpenter's 1976 movie, Assault on Precinct 13. And we just sort of happened to end up finding the time to also watch some French guy's 2005 Assault on Precinct 13. Uh, What was his name? I had that written down. Uh, Jean, Jean-Francois Richet, who is known for yeah. nothing else, really, that I've ever heard of. Something called Bloodfather. Something called One Ugh. Wild Moment. Something called Me- Mezrine. Mezun. It looks like it's supposed to be French, and I can only pretend like I know how to pronounce French things.
0: These all sound like porno
1: movies. And Ma Sank. Teva Cracker. And then after those two movies, he did a remake, a loose remake, as they say, of Jean Carpenter. Jean. Jean, Jean Car- John Carpenter's. Oh. John Carpenter's 1976 Assault on Precinct 13. And somehow, unless it was another movie and we just ended up doing this one first, you said this would be a good episode of the show. Was that this or was that Dog Day Afternoon?
0: Yeah, I think it would have been this. I, I know we we talked about a couple other things at some point, but yeah, this one definitely came up. I'm not sure exactly why. Is there like a
1: deep political message to Assault on Precinct 13? It, it depends on who you ask. I guess it, it. Uh, sort of a bummer if you ask John Carpenter. He says it's apolitical and that it's based off what Rio Bravo, and uh, one of your favorite movies, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I I guess it would be apolitical. It was more into the '80s when we were inundated on TV with the danger of street gangs. Street gangs are going to come and kill you.
2: LA police are getting their orders as they prepare for another assault on street gangs. Javager, but that was before the Los Angeles Police Department declared war on street gangs in the city. And
1: before a shooting Wednesday night... Uh, no, it's Dust Loke. All right, all right, hold on. Let me just, let me just ask you a question. Why, why are you guys in... Why are you in the gangs? BGs grow up to be OGs. Little His gang name is Dusty Loke, short for Dusty Loco crazy dusty dusty is a gang banger which is what they call you when you've been allowed in as a full-time active gang member
0: that's kind of what i was thinking like i was like the, if if you made this in a, this movie in a different decade it would have been taken by the public a lot different i think but it came out like two years before halloween at the end of the 70s so it's kind of just like a it has a lot of really crazy shit in it. Like the blood ceremony at the very beginning that makes me like, it's, it's a little bit more than just like an action movie, you know, it's, it's, it's got some horror stuff going on too, but I kind of think the, the, the gang members kind of serve the, the comparison to night of the living dead is like kind of apt because like our gang members are kind of just faceless thugs to be killed by our protagonists, which that goes, that goes all the way back to like Westerns also. So, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about that, like, before when I was gathering my thoughts for the show. I was like, how the fuck do you make this movie political? <laughs> it's, it's not really, but, I mean. The second one's more could, political,
1: yeah. I would say. But I, I guess we can just sort of go through the timelines a little bit of both movies side by side. 1976, this is, what, is this the first movie that was John Carpenter's blank
0: uh, it's got to be, because I'm trying to think what else he made before this. I know the the, the Russell-Elvis movie had come out at this point.
1: There were Star something, wait, that was like him and Dan O'Bannon in college. Right. Uh, and that was kind of when they... Uh,
0: dark, dark Star. Dark Star, yeah.
1: I don't think Dark Star was really like... Uh, it,
0: kind of from what I understand is Assault on Precent 13 got a lot of attention just because he was an up-and-coming filmmaker and a lot of people liked the soundtrack to this at the time. But yeah, this is, this is a full two years before Halloween, so this is kind of a neat movie for seeing Carpenter kind of getting his craft sorted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the gang is sort of like the shape. There's not a whole lot of explanation. So the the original movie... Starts out with members of the gang. What? Where are they fucking called? Strawberry alarm clock or something? Fucking hippie. I know that they ever have a name. Street Thunder. They're, they're really called Street Thunder. Uh, that that is according to the internet. So we'll. <laughs> <laughs> but they oh. don't really talk. So I. I there. There was never a point where you know weird guy that was in Escape from New York with his silence silence her Nazi pistol machine gun. I am in Street Thunder. He just fucking murders a little blonde girl because she doesn't know when to just be happy that she got ice cream.
0: Yeah, Carpenter must have, man, I would give it go back to like a screening when this movie first came out and and the scene where the little girl gets fucking blasted. (laughs) You know, people probably lost their fucking minds in the theater when that scene happened back in the day. And it's still kind of shocking. Like they they build up like a couple of scenes of this little girl and how she's kind of, I don't know. She's kind of a smartass, but like she's a likable character, and then bam, right off, you know, two scenes later, she's dead on the side of the street. And then for a certain part of it, we kind of follow her dad, who is like off making a payphone call while her daughter, his daughter, goes to get ice cream and gets shot. I don't feel like his storyline ever really amounts to a whole lot, especially since it's already like being intercut with the stuff that's going on at the police station, the 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 titular Precinct Thirteen. I I don't know. I almost feel like you don't really need this part. It's already only a 90 minute movie so if they would have cut very much of it out there wouldn't be a whole lot of movie left but I don't feel feel like the dad's role particularly goes
1: anywhere exactly. Uh, Well, Street Thunder have Street Thunder! their their co-gang members get killed by the police at the beginning of the movie. But not necessarily police from Precinct 13. They swear a blood oath to get Overall revenge on the city for the what happened to their gang members who were killed while committing crimes I don't know is the the guy getting his revenge, or well John carpenter really liked the killing of the little girl. I saw him getting asked about this at a con that I was at, and on the special features there's a q and a with him and the guy that plays bishop Austin Stoker, yeah. At a screening, some John Carpenter film festival, the MPAA said that he had to cut that part out or he was going to get an X rating. Kind of ridiculous. They, they totally have separate rules with independent filmmakers versus the big studios. I know that was one of the things when I was looking into Orgasmo. There was an interview with Trey Parker, and he was comparing when he made Orgasmo versus when they made the South Park movie. And South Park had a big studio behind it. So they're like, oh, well, if you change this, you change this, you change this, and you change this, it'll be okay. And don't worry, you can come back as many times as you need to. And he said when he made Orgasmo, they were just like, no, fuck you, fuck off. This is the rating, take it or leave it. I think that's why it had not rated or uh, NC-17 for Orgasmo originally. We had our first tangent. (laughs)
0: The little girl getting shot, that's what we were talking about. This is like one of the the big scenes of this movie, kind of. Uh, And then it kind of follows the dad to Precinct 13. And so basically, the the gang members follow the dad to the Precinct,
1: right? Is that kind of... He steers their rage, I guess, because they were just going around killing ice cream men and little girls. Okay, yeah, that...
0: I don't know if I ever really understood like what the the motivation behind the gang was, or if it was just like a they're declaring all out war kind of deal.
1: Yeah, it it seemed to be the all out war. And Carpenter said that he didn't like he didn't want there to be a whole lot of something that the other I feel like the other movie might have too much backstory. Right. This one has not really any backstory. There's just these people. I guess the killing of the little girl illustrates that the gang will just do whatever the fuck, but it does seem a little coincidental in both, in both movies. It, it had been a while since I had seen the Carpenter one and I had never seen the goddamn, what's his name? Jean-Francois Richet. There we go. But uh, in both, I found it kind of weird that I guess I'm glad that Conair wasn't ripping off John Carpenter in a sense, but when the guy was sick, I, I, I was thinking, OK, this guy's sick, pretending to be sick to get them to pull over at the almost abandoned police station so the gang can either get get to this guy, get to Napoleon Wilson. And then in the 2005 one, I thought that I sort of figured out who the gang was really quick. Honestly, like
0: I, I'd, I'd seen, I'd seen the remake a bunch when it first came out. I was working at Blockbuster at the time, and I think I actually like never returned a copy of this movie. <laughs> and have, might have it still somewhere, but no, I, I had kind of, I'd kind of forgotten. Like, I mean, now I'm really sorry to be upsetting you, but I have to warn you. Okay, this movie's 13 years old, so we're gonna spoil the shit out of it here, kind of. Okay, I warned ya. In the remake, the gang members are cops. Like dirty cops, and uh, now nah, on this rewatch, I had honestly kind of completely forgotten about that little plot twist. It's, uh, I, and I think it's an interesting plot twist. Like I, I, th- I think that's, that's the kind of thing I think you want to do if you're gonna remake something, especially something like that's so specific, such a specific vision. Like is a John Carpenter movie. Uh, you got to do some slightly different things with it and change it up a little bit while still kind of, you know, playing in the world of, with the boundaries and stuff that the original had set up. Yeah, they're yeah, both siege movies. Which, like, siege movies, I mean, like, there, there there's a few of those. I think Night of the Living Dead is probably, like, your best example. It's a bunch of people stuck in a farmhouse that's all boarded up against, like, a potential endless wave of faceless things, trying, faceless people trying to kill you, basically, which is Definitely kind of the same thing in this on Precent 13. Um, because yeah, the eventually we get to Precent 13, and in both movies, somebody has a reason to want to kill the people inside, so they just get bar- barricaded up. It's a really simple like setup, and especially the Carpenter version, there's really not a lot to it. There's lots of nice little character beats, um, with the cops and, um, you get a, you get a little bit more characterization of the the other inmates that come in. Like the, that's another thing that both movies have in common is the 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 prisoner coming in. Um, I think you get way better way better performances and characters out of the remake as far as those characters go. So we get fucking ja Rule. John, John Leguizamo, John Leguizamo, whoever the other person was, she was somebody. More importantly, you get Larry Fishburne. Basically playing Morpheus again, only... only Mafia Morpheus. Yeah, Mafia Morpheus, basically.
1: Well, they add the psychiatrist because it's 2005, not 1976.
0: And honestly, I think she is the weak link in the remake. I think she is... They they don't set her out as a very likable character, exactly. She's She's Ethan Hawke's psychiatrist, basically. And Ethan Hawke plays a cop who used to be an undercover cop until like a a sting that they were doing basically went bad and his fucking two uh, squad mates or whatever both got blasted and died. So he's kind of been on desk duty. He's been hitting the pills and the booze for a couple of years. And uh, when we, like after basically the flashbacks, we catch up to where we're at, like with the original, when we get to Precinct 13. It's New Year's Eve and the precinct is getting ready to close down and they're getting ready to move out. So for some reason, this is like their last night. They got to be there. Detroit. Um, Detroit, which always looks like the fucking post-apocalyptic wasteland. Sorry, (laughs) Detroit listeners.
1: Both movies have super sexy secretaries. There's what, Dre Mateo or whatever from Sopranos. And I think she was in Sons of Anarchy. But I feel like um, she was way more. I think she. I think she played the junkie ex girlfriend of uh, Jax in Sons of Anarchy.
0: Never seen it. She's delightful. She has some dialogue that's not written very well. Like some of the back and forth between her and Ethan Hawke is kind of cheesy. And her her, her character takes a turn. She's slutting it up in this movie, which is like they they kind of work it into that. That's part of her character. she's kind of impulsive. And she's trying to quit smoking, as her New Year's resolution but I don't know. I, I think I feel like she had a lot of fun with this role. She, you know, she got to shoot guns and be like fucking super tough. Kind of, she got to be kind of funny with Ethan Hawke. And yeah, I don't know. Her, her, her character kind of slutty, but in a good way, I guess. She's confident.
1: It's, you know,
0: that's, uh, it, that's
1: more like it. Yeah. It's 2005. So it still wasn't totally cool for a woman to be like, what does she say? I don't, bad criminals, I fuck bad guys or something, or yeah. bad boys or something <laughs> like that. And it's, it's like, yeah, she's like, fuck it. I'm I'm secretary at a piece of shit police station. I got to work on New Year's Eve. I'm going to wear my fishnets and get fucked up. You know, no she's matter fun. what. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, the psychiatrist lady who I was trying to figure out almost all the way through the movie, and then right before... Like we said, we're spoiling it right before she gets fucking killed by Gabriel Byrne. uh, I remembered she was the sexy hot wife in History of Violence.
0: Oh, you're right. I haven't seen that movie in fucking years.
1: Uh, It's it's probably been a while for me, but I, I distinctly remember figuring out how people could actually enjoy themselves having sex on stairs. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah, not in a stairwell. But on stairs, but that's, that's, that's a totally different movie. Speaking of the beginning, when establishing Ethan Hawke's backstory, (laughs) they decide to cram in a couple references to the original movie. I don't know if you caught that where the, the Hungarian criminal or whatever calls Ethan Hawke Napoleon and Ethan Hawke asks if the other guy has a smoke because uh napoleon wilson in the first movie is napoleon and he's just asking everybody for a cigarette and i guess also with this being 2005 that translated into uh andrea mateo sexy awesome secretary lady that turned into her new year's resolution was to quit smoking
0: yeah i'm looking at this guy um Darwin Justin plays Napoleon in the original, which is which is basically Lawrence Fishburne's role in the remake. He's he's the big time, you know, kind of. They they give him a little bit more backstory in the remake, but he's he's basically like the big bad gangster dude that they're taking to the fucking precinct to hold him until they can take him to court or whatever. And yeah, uh, you you probably recognize this guy from The Fog. He plays. The, i guess like the coroner or the, the the morgue guy when um tom atkins and jamie lee curtis go like, they they find the body on the ship and they go to the coroner and the body gets up and fucking walks off the gurney uh, oh. yeah, that's the same guy that's darwin jostin he looks like uh fucking ted kaczynski or something now that i'm looking at the still of him with his like unibomber glasses and serial killer look <laughs> uh, the, the rest is he's a, he's a pretty handsome dude
1: well, R.I.P. Died in 1998. He's, but... he's
0: pretty great in this movie. He he kind of exudes just this like attitude, and he's he's got he's got kind of the look of guy that would be in like a western or something. I I, I think that played a big John Carpenter's love of westerns is kind of like permeated in all of his work, basically. But he seems yeah. to cast people that I feel like like fucking Wilford Brimley would be like great, and I'm sure did a bunch of westerns.
1: Yo, yeah, yeah, right.
0: Eye stare, kind of.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we we had said that Carpenter said that one of the influences for the movie was Rio Bravo, but I think he actually, because he edited it under a pseudonym, and I'm pretty sure, if not the whole of it, part of the pseudonym that he took was the name of John Wayne's character in Rio Bravo. Oh, really? Yeah. So, yeah, every every time John Carpenter gets to talk, he says how much he likes Westerns. I'm sure he's playing Red Dead Redemption 2 right fucking now.
0: He I don't know if he is. According to last I saw on his Twitter, he was a Fallout 76 guy, and that made me really fucking sad.
1: Um,
0: what are you doing, John? You are missing out on the greatest goddamn Western that has probably ever been made, which is Red Dead Redemption
1: 2. He'll catch on. I, f- I hear a lot of people were a little let down by Fallout 76
0: uh yeah there was at least one lawsuit involving like uh there's i'm sure they've reversed this by the time people are listening to this but their their refund policy where they said if you downloaded the game off of the fucking playstation store or the xbox store no refunds oh Which yeah, bullshit because no. for a lot of those people that game was completely unplayable clearly not john carpenter because he's tweeting about like yeah it's a buggy fucking mess but meh, it's fun which is a very John Carpenter kind of way of fucking. saying <laughs> It's a piece of shit, but you know, whatever. So
1: is the world.
0: Give me another he's cigarette. Still playing it. Yeah, I think he quit a long time ago, and I'm really oh, glad did he? about that. Because yeah, that's part of why why he's still around. I may have seen him hit, using a vape for uh, at some point, probably to quit. But yeah, as far as I know, I think he quit
1: smoking a while ago. Unlike Napoleon Wilson, who really wants <laughs> to smoke all throughout. Whitter. Reel us in there, Darren. Uh it's it's sort of a fun game working on segues with this show. <laughs> yeah, assault on Priest in thirteen. But uh, it, like we said, the the modern version, the gang ends up being some cro some crops, some cops that are on some crooked cops who are on the take, led by Gabriel Byrne, or who uh Kaiser Sose would like you to believe is Kaiser Sose. Um, which is a little bit more, you know, like I said, if, if the first one came out in the eighties, it would be more fitting because that's, I'm a little, I'm a little older than you, young man. So I don't know if you remember, <laughs> all right, but, Grandpa, listen up. <laughs> it was all no, gangs and gangs and gangs.
0: I, I kind of like that. They don't, they, there's actually a little bit of lead up to them revealing that the fucking people attacking the precinct are cops. Because they kind of lead you to believe that they're Bishop's man, which makes yeah. perfect sense. And Bishop just sits there silently until these dudes show up. And you can almost kind of right away, right away tell. And It's like one of the few scenes where I feel like Lawrence Fishburne is really acting in this movie is when the dudes show up. And you realize those aren't his fucking dudes. Those are dudes there to kill everybody there, but especially him.
1: Yeah. So He looks and nervous, then, and they look like white guys.
0: Yeah. And there's a shootout that ensues and then Ethan Hawke falls one of them out into the snow. I love the fact that the remake takes place in the winter time, by the way. I have a real fucking heart on for snow movies and I think it massively adds to the sense of isolation in this movie because I mean, at least supposedly the roads are really bad in this. So there's like a snowstorm going on. They're basically about to get snowed in. So it would kind of explain why there's no, or like when the phones and shit go out, it could just be easily blamed on the storm. And the New Year's Eve thing kind of, uh, like, I, they thought of something for everything in this movie because you explain away the gunfire, which there's actually not a lot of because, once again, the people attacking the
1: precinct are using silencers. But it's New Year's Eve, so if there's any gunfire,
0: boop, it would just be fireworks.
1: Yeah, or shit. I mean, people shoot off their guns at midnight on, on New Year's Eve and parts of neighborhoods around here, I'm sure, probably somewhere around you. Yeah. But... and it's detroit no offense detroit
0: yeah i I love the fact that this snow movie too and um he, ethan, ethan hawk that's what i was talking about he, ch- he chases the dude out into the snow they've all got ski masks and like silenced automatic weapons and ethan hawk finally manages to like I, I forget if this is the part where he gets in the big fight with the dude in the bus which i actually thought was kind of like a decent surprise uh when he's like sneaking around out out in the snow. Um, and he comes up, he comes up to a bus basically and opens the door and like they're sitting a fucking dude in a ski mask. So they like punch the shit out of each other for a little while and then eventually a badge falls out of his
1: pocket is how we figure out, oh yeah, it's a bunch of dirty cops. Yeah. And it's like, hey, oh, by the way, I I did not pull up the numbers for 2005, but speaking of cops, uh let's see, last year, Police killed one thousand one hundred and forty-seven people in America. Damn. Uh, This year, two thousand eighteen, which is over in about three weeks, police have killed one thousand fifty-six people.
0: Is that an increase or a decrease?
1: They have to kill about ninety more people to keep up with their numbers from last year.
0: Ah, fuck! That's like an average day in like Chicago or some shit. They'll surpass it.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they are going to hit their numbers. But does
0: that just count like people that were shot by police, or does that count like all the people that get like choked out in jail cells or die due to neglect in the fucking prison system or stuff like that? No so sure definitions. Getting, like... Ah, sorry, okay. go
1: ahead. Uh definition no, no, of a police killing. A case where a person dies as a result of being chased, beaten, arrested, restrained, shot, pepper sprayed, tasered, or otherwise harmed by police officers, whether on or off duty, intentional oh. or accidental.
0: Oh, holy shit.
1: A victim was coded I'm as...
0: <laughs> I'm surprised the number isn't like 10, 10 times that then, if it's including all of those things. I would have guessed they had just shot that many people in like, a yard for... <laughs> Holding a cell phone or dumb shit like that. Yeah. That's surprising, honestly.
1: Well, these are all ones that have been finished. This doesn't count things that are still being investigated or open cases. Um, A victim was coded as unarmed in the database if they were one or more of the following. Not holding any objects or weapons when killed. Holding household slash personal items that were not used to attack others, such as... Cell phone, video game controller, cane, etc.
0: Oh, Grandpa. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I killed Grandpa.
1: I'm sure. I, I mean, there. that is where this one, and it goes on. There's, you know, alleged to be armed by police, but multiple independent witnesses maintain the person was unarmed and video evidence shows the person to be unarmed, etc. Instead of seeing everywhere that gangs are coming to kill you. It is every day, or practically every day, we here in the states see something about police killing somebody or doing something horrible. I, I was reading up the other day, and there's still only thirty-five states where it's illegal for a cop to have sex with you while you're in their custody.
0: Oh Jesus!
1: What the uh, fuck, thirty-five
0: yeah. states—that's legal.
1: Thirty-five. No, well, thirty-five states where it's illegal. But that's still the other one still leaves 15. And uh, that's why New York was one of the more recent ones, because last year two cops raped a woman in their cop van and they said that she uh, what are they what the defense's quote was DNA evidence can't prove that it wasn't consensual, which if you handcuff someone and put them in the back of a police van, nothing they do is consensual.
0: Unless that's a fake police van and you're filming a porno, that's definitely nothing about that's gonna be fucking yeah. consensual. Yeah. Oh, dude. Sometimes I wonder, like, maybe none of us are qualified to be cops. Maybe, like, <laughs> the whole world is just fucking scumbags. And there's definitely, like, I mean, right in my fucking little shitty ass town of, like, I don't know, there's fucking 50,000 people. I-, I think there's 50,000 people here, maybe. Uh, our, our, our police staff is fucking horribly understaffed and like definitely, I don't know, like there's so many fucking crooked cops, but at the same time, it's like, we need somebody to be doing this fucking job. Like, isn't there anybody out there that's qualified to be like decent cops, like the kind of cops you see in the movies. And I know there is, this this is going to be a thing where people jump on us and be like, not all cops are bad, not all white males are fucking (laughs) scumbags. I'm like, well, yeah, but, like, I mean, in general, it's, it's a bad ratio. There's more bad.
1: Yeah, it's a bad ratio. And, I mean, shit, what was the – I can't remember what state it was. If anybody asks me or if anybody that's listening cares, come to the you know Facebook group or find me, and I will tell you because I was just reading about this. But there was a cop that showed up to the situation, and he didn't shoot the suspect. And then, I think it was one of the Carolinas, now that I'm talking about it. But anyway, he didn't shoot the suspect, and then another officer showed up and shot the suspect, and the officer who didn't shoot the guy was fired for endangering the life of another officer. For not shooting a guy. Yeah, so it's like they get rid of the good apples. Or, (laughs) you know, it's like, no, we we can't have that. What does it what do they say like in Hot Fuzz? Making this all look bad. Um, <laughs> they want
0: cops that are too smart or too capable or too caring.
1: Fuck, I know there's issues with brutality in European countries and stuff like that, but the police are relatively trained in a different way. I, I mean, there's definitely been a mil- militarization of the police here in the States. And it seems to be less training i think there's like 10 hours of training on de-escalation and shit like that and you know 100 hours of how to kill someone
0: (laughs) yeah exactly i feel like in other countries when you become a cop it's a little bit more like the military you do it for you do it for the honor and the sense of duty to your country whereas in america i think it's a bunch of fucking meatheads that Mm -hmm. want an excuse to drive cars real fast and fucking bully people around
1: a lot of people, yeah. I mean, it's one of the only unions not pretty much destroyed or weakened by the by the GOP. Them in the prisons. Yeah, uh, there's there's not really a whole lot of emphasis on education, de escalation, things like that. There's way too much leeway. I mean, like the the guy that was shot. In the Alabama mall shooting, who they said was the shooter until two days later when they said, whoops, he wasn't the shooter. He was,
0: he was the good guy with the yeah. gun.
1: Oh, and we shot him in the back. He was shot in the back. So uh, there's just time after time after time. There's the, uh, you know, so many names, you forget some and mix them all together. With the video, that's why they put the power out. And that's why Liam Neeson or uh, Gabriel Byrne. And his crooked cops on the take are trying to make it look like it's Lawrence Fishburne's guys, like you said.
0: And they don't give a fuck who they have to kill. Like, it's, it's 33 of these motherfuckers, at least, plus probably all of their lackeys, are going to go down hard like for the rest of their lives if this dude fucking gets to court and squeals on them for all the crooked shit that they've been doing. So, to them, it's worth killing a handful of fucking probably decent cops— Working in a little shithole uh, precinct that's about to shut down. I mean, they, they just got they got unbelievably movie lucky that he would happen to be dropped off at a precinct that's getting ready to shut down. That's not man because usually, like, you go to any fucking even small town like police precinct, there's gonna be a handful of cops, if not a shitload of cops. So,
1: yeah, that that's, that's why... like the
0: one one kind of suspension of disbelief thing. Is it like <laughs> they got unbelievably lucky in that sense?
1: I sort of explained it away because it seemed like there had to have been somebody that tipped over the domino that makes them, in each movie, stop at each place. And in the first one, I can't find it anywhere because sick guy is sick and then he dies. And in this one, unless it was one of the cops that was in on it that radioed to the bus and says, "Hey, it's too shitty out there. Go to this place."
0: And I th- I think the, the like the bus drivers and those dudes like they they get wasted in both movies pretty quick. Like I mean yeah. in the first movie, that's that's the first sense when the the prisoners like um, not Bishop. What the fuck is his name in the, the original? Napoleon like the the they're just getting to the precinct, I think. They're they're like outside for some reason and like basically like silent sniper fire takes out the cops that were their guards on the bus and the bus driver.
1: Yep. And the guy that was in Halloween uh, Sheriff Bracket or whatever yeah. his name is. He's in the 2018 Halloween too, isn't he? I think so. And what's well, Nancy Loomis? Nancy Loomis from Halloween is also in this. Who did she play in Assault on Precinct 13? Because I know
0: in Halloween she was one of Jamie Lee Curtis's friends.
1: She was one of the secretaries. Okay. Not the one that... She was the one that played the awesome sexy secretary character from 2005. She was the one that got shot in the arm and she's like, I don't need any fucking help. You know, I'm pretty sure that was her. Nancy and yeah, the, Loomis, sh- they, the, all these
0: people show up in a lot of other John Carpenter movies, too. So, like, that's always something I kind of respect in director directors when they stay loyal to their homies.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, but uh, as we, we were talking about the if anybody's in on it, we don't know who was on the other side of the radio to the bus driver who does. Yes, eat shit pretty much as soon as they get there, because they leave and they're like, <laughs> fuck it. The power's out, we're going back on the bus. And then it's like, pop, 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 with movie silencers. So, sirp, sirp, sirp. but it could have been like Gabriel Byrne or fuck even Brian Dennehy, dickhead. For- <laughs> Fucking
0: dirty, dirty Brian Dennehy, dirty Dennehy.
1: Yep, dirty Dennehy. Oh, <laughs> I didn't see it coming until they got caught out in the snow. I didn't see it coming when he said, Oh, yeah, I totally forgot about this secret escape.
0: Yeah, I, I, I that part I definitely remembered. Like as soon as as soon as I remembered that the cops were basically the gang members in this movie, I was like, oh yeah, and Brian Dennehy's a fucking dirty fucking rat. So, uh, like, the, seeing this a uh, second a second viewing basically. Was was kind of fun because I'm like, man, he he's dirty through this whole movie. Like he he projects that shit like up on the wall that he is gonna <laughs> double cross you guys. Cause he spends the whole movie bickering with the fucking prisoners. The minute the prisoners get let out, he turns into just a total bitch. And it's cause he doesn't think his plan is gonna go, and it, I mean, basically doesn't.
1: But yeah. I told you, let's give him to him. And I'm not gonna yeah, die he's... for you or anybody. Which,
0: he's fucking. He's fucking right, and probably most cops would do that if they thought that if they, were, they were Lawrence Fishburne's men. They were just going to boot him out and say, here you go.
1: There's yeah, right. No
0: sense in all of us dying for this fucking jackass. <laughs> but thankfully, they got Ethan Hawke, who we we didn't really, we kind of grazed over his opening scene uh, where he, he's, he's basically playing like a junkie drug dealer.
1: Was this Lethal Weapon, Post-training sort of. day. I think this is post
0: because he, he doesn't play the same character as he does in Training Day, like, whatsoever. I mean, except for, the, like, the fact that they're both cops. But, like, just, just the style and the way that the, like, the editing, like, with a lot of the jump cuts, kind of, in that opening scene with him, like, selling the, I guess, heroin or something to the, I guess they're nondescript European dudes <laughs> he's talking to.
1: Eastern um, European the, drug guy with dog.
0: Yeah, yep you know, the, the the dog scene where we see a dog get punched which, like, I I didn't see this in theater. Like I said, I, I first picked this up at Blockbuster. I think it probably had a short theatrical run, but um, I can imagine probably a lot of people walked out when the fucking dog gets punched. They're like, fuck this movie. Can't take Grandma to Sultan Priest in 13. Like, they kill lots of people, but they also punch a dog in the beginning of it.
1: And is that the dog he wakes up with eight months later? It's I the same remember. kind of dog. I forget that he has a dog. It's just the very first scene of him waking up, drinking... Injured cop with the dark past drinking out of the <laughs> the whiskey bottle by his bed.
0: <laughs> that will cliche. I didn't, and, I didn't notice the dog.
1: Okay, yeah it's it's a it's a black dog. Looks like that kind of dog, but he just says, "Hey, boy." Rottweiler. Tugs off the the bottle, and then <laughs> get gets in the sh- the shower, looking at himself with his tattoos, and then. Oh goes, man, his
0: butterfly tattoo. What were they thinking?
1: I don't, I was wondering, I, I thought maybe that had to be a real one and they just hadn't created the tattoo cover up CGI yet.
0: Have you ever known a male that had a butterfly tattoo? I mean, I'm not not trying to be like sexist here or anything, but like, I know lots of females that have like butterfly tattoos, but have you ever known a guy, especially like our our tough cop protagonist hero character here?
1: (laughs) I am a beautiful fucking butterfly. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I was just a cocoon in the beginning of this movie and now I'm a beautiful
1: moth. <laughs> no longer call me Ethan Hawke. No, Ethan Butterfly. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Woo! So, yeah, in, in the original Assault on Precinct 13, it's... Yeah, the sea, they in both movies, they say we're in a siege. More so... Well, yeah, in both. Well, I guess they have to go through the tunnel in the remake, but... Like Night of the Living Dead, they eventually end up retreating to the basement.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the the enemies are a little more primitive in the fucking '75 version. Like a couple of them got guns, and the one dude's got the sweet. Like I, I guess it's kind of implied that a few of them have guns with silencers, which I don't know if that was really a thing in '75, except for maybe in like spy movies. But I'm sure that's kind of where John Carpenter heard of it, and he's like, "Fuck it, I'm writing that in." That's it's a great explain things away kind of plot device as to why, like, a bunch of loud-ass gunshots right at a fucking cop shop don't bring a whole bunch of people running. Oh, well, they got silencers. Luckily, that's a thing that really exists.
1: <laughs> they will only would have heard the sound of broken glass. Yep. Which in Detroit or in whatever part of L.A. that was, that that's, you know, pretty normal for whatever kind of night.
0: I remember I, remember my train of thought. I was going to say, like, a lot of the the gang members, we get a scene later in the movie that's pretty great, where, like you said, they're coming through the, the tunnel in the basement, like, that comes from, I don't know, somewhere, the sewer outside or something. But a lot of them don't have guns, and they're just, like, bum-rushing the precinct with, like, clubs and knives and fucking bats and shit. Crowbars. It gets real zombie movie. Like, it gets real... I mean it's it's what I imagine like storming a castle would have been like back in the fucking dark ages, kind of like
2: Right Charge! Charge!
0: eventually all of your heroes that have good weapons are going to die and like all that's left is going to be like you know the fucking grunts with all the the melee weapons
1: trying to rip each other apart bishop ethan lieutenant ethan bishop in the in the first one and napoleon wilson they set up whatever uh deus ex machina tank of flammable gas liquid that miraculously didn't get shot at all by during the siege, but they can set it off shooting it through the smoke or they shoot the road flares and that sets off the tank in the first one. Yeah. When they've got the sign and they get pushed back and then they shoot the thing and it explodes and it basically kills everybody else in the hallway.
0: I didn't really catch any kind of setup to that. I kind of just assumed it was just like a fucking tank of combustibles that they happen to have sitting at the, Back of the fucking basement of the precinct. The precinct doesn't look real lived in, if you know what I mean. It looks kind of <laughs> like it fucking doubles as a torture dungeon in a different movie, probably. But
1: Or the black sites where they take people nowadays, like in Chicago. And, I
0: mean, it makes equal, equally less fucking sense in the remake when uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Ethan Hawke just bust out, like, a whole bunch of cans of, like, either... I don't know lighter fluid or turpentine or something, and they just start dousing the whole first floor of the precinct thirteen, <laughs> all for this like not very like kind of kind of doofy action movie trap that they're setting for all these dudes with like fucking machine guns with silencers and flashbangs and shit, and like they they they've shot like hundreds and hundreds of rounds into the building in a scene like an hour before this in the movie and like the fact that any of the walls are still standing or like any of the windows still have glass in them like after them shooting up the place like that is kind
1: of ludicrous
0: but we'll go with it movie
1: i suppose jean françois richet oh uh, yeah i'm i'm definitely more more prone to give john carpenter the benefit of the doubt but i think there were less holes even even though there wasn't a whole lot of backstory his story was pretty succinct there there's the the gang shows up they fight they fight they fight the cavalry comes in, in uh the carpenter version after the explosion is that what the two cops hear after they cuz they've already found the the dead telephone worker when they're trying to find out where the missing they keep repeating that over the, over the radio throughout the movie is we, we still haven't heard from the TV or the telephone repair people. Right. And
0: then truck that's missing.
1: They find that more cops show up, the gang scatters and then yeah, Bishop and Napoleon in the first one, get your, so they try to handcuff Napoleon and Bishop's like, fuck off. And they don't do anything totally ridiculous like, this man's going to get a pardon from the governor or anything like that. He might get a slight reduction in sentence or they might just not beat the shit out of him every day at whatever prison they're sending him to. But it's walk out with me as equals. And then he goes back to being a cop somewhere in L.A. and Napoleon Goes to prison and tries to get a fucking cigarette.
0: But at least he lived. He didn't get ripped ripped to pieces. The remake ends differently, though, doesn't it? Fucking Lawrence Fishburne just says, Well, see you later. I'm shot in the belly, but I'm going to go wandering off into this dark CGI forest.
1: Yeah, it's a lot more people die. But I think we still end up with the same amount of living people at the end. Because there's Ethan Hawke and... Hot Secretary. And Lawrence Fishburne, although when the fire firemen and the cops, that they automatically know that they can trust because they're with the firemen or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's a
0: different union. They're <laughs> trustworthy.
1: Like, is there anybody else out here? No, just just me and them. They Yeah, they do a little bit of a point break where uh, Ethan Hawke says, I'll, I'll find you wherever you are. Although, where's he going to go? He has an organized crime family set up in Detroit. He's probably going to be in Detroit unless he just leaves the country and gets his residual checks. Well, he's also been
0: shot in the belly, so there's a very good chance he's not going to make it out of that forest and they're going to find him dead
1: like fucking 100 yards away. How do you think it went for Ethan Hawke after this? Because it's all the prisoners are gone the one undercover mafia special task force is dead scattered around the precinct. And then there's Ethan Hawke.
0: He's going to have a lot of explaining to you. There's a, little, a whole lot of fucking dead bodies all around here. and It's kind of a convoluted story. They're, they're going to need to like go to the bathroom and get a cup of coffee before they hear this long fucking convoluted story as to where all these fucking dead bodies <laughs> came from. Right? Enjoyable action movie. I got to say it's, it's got a lot of dumb fucking kind of cliches they do like the the standoff basically at some point in this movie like where fucking dirty dennehy is instigating like the prisoners when they get out and get guns and they they do the thing where everybody's pointing their guns at each other
1: you lost your fucking mind joe you're making a terrible mistake i'm not gonna let you make
2: come on guys nobody wants this we're supposed to be
1: fucking professionals
0: I don't know. There's a lot of stuff like that in this movie that is, honestly, when you look when you see it, you're like it's kind of eye rollingly cliche, but it kind of makes it work somehow. I don't
1: know. I think it's the performances. They did get a lot more established actors for this. There was mostly unknown people in Carboners, which made it even more. I mean, what that movie was made? They made no like no fucking money, but I think it was here's a hundred thousand dollars make a movie and if you make it under that budget we won't tell you anything to do about it i think that's how Carpenter's yeah basically went. It, and... i
0: think it got noticed by at least a few people like it might have not been a massive hit but it it, it was successful enough to lead to his next project which was halloween
1: oh yeah it, it was liked it just made no money
0: i gotta throw my cat out of my fucking office hold on one second
1: cool yeah You're traveling
2: through another dimension. A dimension of not only a film and sound, but mind. A journey into an auditory movie
0: review adventure that must be experienced to be believed. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, The Doomsday Clock. You can extract The Witch vs. The Doomsday Clock podcast by either searching for W-Y-C-H on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Tune in and on your Android device which versus the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. So prepare yourself. The podcast ice is gonna break. One, two, three, four!
1: Talking about budget and uh the earnings, at least of the first one. The second movie had a thirty million dollar budget and supposedly thirty-five million dollar box office. Ooh, that's bad. Yeah. It's like Froger. That's bad. <laughs> it came out in March in France, but January in the USA. I'll bet the French loved it. I didn't know this. And you you might have heard this since you're a little bit more on the knowledge of John Carpenter and whatnot, but I guess he is very well liked in France.
0: Oh, absolutely! They fucking love electronic music and angry old men. Yeah, John Carpenter is right up their alley. I, I forget he did he collaborated with some like. A dude with a name really similar to the director of the movie we're talking about, like it's a big electronic ele- artist. And that that's like the first thing I think of is the, like they love their fucking techno in France and like any kind of like synthesizer electronic type of shit. That's that's their jam. So like right there, I don't I don't know why John Carpenter doesn't just play Paris over <laughs> and
1: over and over again. Make <laughs> them come to me. One interview I saw him do. Uh, somebody said that the French think that you're a genius auteur, and in America, uh, and the guy was sort of stammering, and Carpenter said, I'm a fucking bum, right? <laughs> Neither of them are yeah. right. I'm somewhere in the middle, or something like that. Carpenter <laughs> just got a fucking raw deal
0: over and over and over again making movies in America, and he's, he's going to be like the ultimate director of like people whose shit didn't catch on until well after the fact, which didn't really make him any money. Is probably he had to sign not great deals to get his movies made in the first place. So, like, I don't know. I can completely understand his bitterness and why like he doesn't really have that much interest in making
1: movies anymore. And why he makes those jokes about not giving a fuck about them making as many <laughs> Halloween movies as they have, because he just hands out his hand puts out his hand and they put money in it.
0: Yeah, right? Like, he's, he's enjoying, like, he, he he worked his ass off and really, like, didn't get the recognition for it until many years later, like, after his film career, his filmmaking career, so, yeah, I'd, fuck like, he got a raw deal, but even at that, like, filmmakers dream of having a fucking career like John Carpenter, where, like, at the very least, you get to retire and do whatever the fuck you want for the rest of your life, basically. It's the new American dream. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck being rich. Like I just, I just want to get like so that my last years of life, I don't have to give a shit, and I can just play Xbox and watch basketball.
1: Do you think Carpenter is an Xbox guy or a PS4 guy?
0: I think he's an Xbox guy. All right. It breaks my heart. because so I'm a PlayStation guy. All three except for the first one sitting in my living room right now. Yeah. How fucking cool is that? He just gets to play music with his kid and his godson and go on tour. And the rest of the time he just sits down, and fucking plays video games and watches basketball and fucks off on Twitter.
1: Yeah, he and Stephen King and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are probably the th- three of their main reasons why I still have a Twitter. But as speaking of John Carpenter and his music, what do you think of the soundtracks compared between the two movies?
0: Uh, the original is iconic. And it's weird because There's really only like about Four actual pieces of music In the original Assault on Precinct 13 They get kind of reused a couple of times But that's actually kind of a Fucking genius thing And Like how he managed to make a movie Like this on basically A non-existent Budget Is like you can reuse The music in a couple of scenes And it conveys kind of the same emotions Or like if it's a if it's two scenes that are are kind of doing the same thing, like your action scenes will get one theme, basically, as far as the score goes. And when your characters are, like, talking and being pensive, it gets another kind of, like, track. And so, yeah, there's basically only, like, a seven-inch worth of fucking actual music in this movie. So... Um, I I think it's a fucking like a great example of early electronic music being used in films. Um, like I I hear the theme song for this played in clubs all over the place. I'm trying to I can't remember. it Might have been like Primus or something like a or like a punk show. So, something really non related to like, or it might have been like a metal show that I was at down in Denver last, where like the 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 pre-the-band-comes-out music is playing over the loudspeakers was the theme song from Assault on in 13. And I was like, ah, this sound guy has good taste. <laughs> Probably most of these people have no fucking clue what this is the theme song to. But um the remake, I don't really... I couldn't tell you the first fucking thing about the soundtrack or the score to that movie. I, I know there's some uh, KRS-One
1: as the closing credits music. The KRS-One theme song. Might be my favorite thing about that movie. I don't dislike the movie, but yeah, it's, it's like a two, it's a 2005 remake sort of vibe. There's definitely vibes. I think this is a little
0: bit after the Dawn of the Dead, the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. So I, I, I there's kind of vibes from that. Like it, it, it is very of its time. This came out the year after my senior year of high school. And, like, immediately I went and got a job at Blockbuster and their fucking <laughs> death throws. By, the, by that point, they had the, oh, we're getting rid of late fees if you sign up for, like, this, like, more expensive kind of rental membership, basically. And everybody c- c- cried false advertising against them. Like, your ads clearly say no more late fees. And I get here and you're like, you got fucking late fees. So I got to deal with that bullshit. But I was like, I'm fine movie rentals week and um yeah i think i i think i checked out a copy of this like the week that it came out the the remake and took it home and watched it and i really liked it but i don't think i've uh, something happened to that copy and i've never owned a copy of this since i've never watched it since and i kind of forgot about it and i feel like i mean clearly based on the fact that it barely made its money back probably a lot of other people don't really remember this or have thought about this movie in a long time and I mean I'm here to tell you check it out it's it's a, it's a pretty solid action movie honestly like and it's a, it's a pretty good remake it's it's not the same kind of movie it doesn't have that same kind of low budget John Carpenter charm and like the soundtrack is like kind of standard but yeah, Christmas um, songs yeah,
1: and KRS-One and
0: <laughs> well they played winter wonderland i was really confused when this first started up i was like i don't remember this was a christmas movie i gotta tell film twitter this is a christmas movie because everybody's <laughs> fucking flipping out about that shit right now and things that are considered a christmas movie so yeah it, tur- it turns out this is not this is a new year's eve movie yeah so you
1: can watch this if you're with si- 200 cigarettes and what other <laughs> <laughs> um fuck i can't think of any others So yeah, it's people I guess the Christmas music doesn't go away until New Year's Day when everybody says fuck off with that shit. But yeah, other than the Precincts 13 and the nods in the new one to the old one, you wouldn't know it was a remake. If it was just the story and it, it had some other police station name or they didn't name the police station, I don't think I would have ever known that it was a remake which who remade psycho uh guess what Sant. yeah it's a shot for shot remake isn't always your best way to go as that movie illustrates yeah I, I i think i said this already in this conversation but i think that this movie suffers a little bit from the misfit syndrome and if it had been advertised a little bit better or if it had a different name i think it would be a lot more popular I don't like a lot of action movies, but I dug that one. And is there anything that we haven't talked about? I know, um, I don't know. You can probably tell in my voice; but I sound a little bit like shit. I know I'm getting over being sick. I hope, I hope I've had good energy tonight.
0: I think, I think we pretty well covered it. Like these are these are pretty solid movies. Like I, I don't, I don't really know why I picked these movies exactly. I guess just because I don't get a chance to talk about these ones too terribly much and. i I was stoked to see that the remake was on amazon prime you can watch it for free if you're a prime user um it's it's worth checking out and
1: yeah i I think this worked out pretty well it's winter time unless something crazy happens this will be out before new year's but in case i follow the lead of congress and take a couple weeks off it's (laughs) i've i've got the 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 new year's movie right here as let's see if some people can get fired on their day off
2: God damn, you got to be a stupid motherfucker to get fired on your day off.
1: I was happy to, to buy the, the steel book, of John Carpenter's version of this. I, I look forward to watching it again probably not too long from now with the Carpenter commentary. I'm sure that's fun. And yeah, the remake. When you first said, hey, the remake is on Amazon Prime, I set a little bit of an expectation in my head about how I thought that was going to go. And, but you said, Hey man, it's, it's actually pretty decent. You should check it out. So we said, fuck it. We, uh, we haven't covered two movies of the same name since, uh, Kit Power and I did the Candidates Manchurian original Frank Sinatra one and the Denzel Washington Lee of Schreiber one.
0: I've not seen either of those, but I
1: remember when the Denzel Washington one came out, it was kind of a big deal. That one was Pretty good. I think you could watch either one of them in whichever order, but I I I would definitely recommend that. I think the remake at least is on Amazon Prime or Netflix right now. So which which order do you think people should watch the Assault on Precinct Thirteen movies? I would definitely watch the OG John Carpenter one first. I think the Carpenter one is better. The John Carpenter
0: version is a little bit more of like required viewing. And the remake is a little bit more like, hey, if you're looking for, if you like action movies, kind of like a lot of people missed out on this one, so maybe you should check it out. It's a little bit more of like a soft bunt. It's <laughs> a fucking holy
1: shit, you need to watch this movie home run kind of thing. They could be watched in the same night. They're different enough. I think more horror fans would like the John Carpenter one, not just because it's John Carpenter, but it's more like a horror movie or a exploitation movie. And the Jean-Francois Richet one is decent action movie.
0: Relatively bloodless kind of, I noticed that I almost wonder if there's stuff that like, especially like when you see the blood kind of, it's a little bit like muted colors. It it, it gives me the the impression again, late two thousands, lots of crazy shit happening with like the MPA movies coming out. Because on on one hand of the scale, you're getting stuff like Hostel and Saw and stuff that really pushes the boundaries of what you can get away with in an R-rated movie. This one, I think, played it kind of safe because largely it's fairly bloodless. There's all kinds of motherfuckers getting shot with guns, but like, there's not...
1: I don't know. There's weird things that tip me off that this is like an early 2000s movie, kind of. I don't know enough about film criticism to really get into it, but I feel like there's a big difference between pre and post 9-11 movies made in America
0: yes I was thinking about this too like um, give, give this is the remake like an anti-cop movie would you say if, if you were or if you were like hypothetically arguing this sort of thing like if you're like one of these like fucking watchdog groups or like the MPA or people like that like or, or just like the studio executives that are about to fucking spend a whole shitload of money advertising what might be construed as an anti-cop movie, like, a few,
1: three short years after 9-11. Two years after the second official re of the Gulf War that never ended. Yeah. But, I, I mean, some of those, uh those that that movie where there's, there well, sure, there are some bad rogue government agents, but our hero, he's a good cop. You know, it's like clear, *Clear and Present Danger* and *Patriot Games* and those Tom Clancy fucking pro-war propaganda type movies that we've had since forever. There's, there's the dangerous spooky thing. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But the winner is always the good, honest cop.
0: Yeah, the the *Assault on Precinct 13 remake re- really gently like gets you to question. Well, maybe there's some fucking bad cops in in that kind of that kind of climate releasing a fucking theatrical movie with big name stars in it that's tricky and probably that's why like i would imagine it didn't do so well i probably their marketing budget for this was real real low because this isn't i don't know it's it's weird like the stuff that like like Hostel made a fucking bazillion goddamn dollars saw especially on video made tons and tons of money like it didn't really take very long after 9-11 for people to be ready for uh real dark fucked up storytelling to come back into their lives because what they're going through in their real lives is real dark and fucked up so like and i mean this this happens in film history over and over again like I, i honestly think you'll see more like you'll see way more interesting art coming out of like the darker
1: times in mankind there's some interesting stuff coming out nowadays speaking of which and (laughs) yeah but you know hostile what americans europe getting revenge on americans being douchey americans in europe Although the Patriot Act had already been signed, so they were probably funding Gabriel Byrne and all their fucking silencers and their C4 they were putting on the the bars to blow up and killing psychiatrists and just saying, fuck all you, we don't want to get in trouble. (laughs) I could live with killing eight people better than I could live with a cellmate.
0: This movie would not exist without the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. It was the one that really, like, around this time. That was the other thing. Like, that movie kicked off the, the horror remake um, trend. The, like that It's still going on now, now today. Like, they're, they're still fucking cranking these out. But I, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think that came out in 2003, something like that. That
1: sounds well, right.
0: A couple years before this. No, 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 no. Cause I was like a junior in high school when, oh well, no, I guess I'd be right when the Dawn of the Dead remake came out, and that was like 2003.
1: The first remake was 2003, Do and okay, then the second it? second remake was 2006. Oh god, really? That's wait, that's been 12 years ago since.
0: Or you're talking you're talking the second the sequel to the Michael Bay movie was 2006.
1: The the one with Arlie Ermy and Jessica Biel and. Right. Jonathan Tucker and Eric Balfour and all those people. Yeah, I was,
0: I guess, man, I guess I was a, I was a junior in high school when that movie came out. I like barely, we barely had a fucking computer. We had a computer made by a company called computer in my house. (laughs) And I remember using dial up to get the fucking trailer, the teaser trailer for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake to go on that thing. I was fucking stoked for that thing to come out because I loved the original at that point that thing made a fucking bazillion dollars on a real small budget when it came out. So like platinum dunes made a whole career for a lot of people out of just remaking old shit. (laughs) And a lot of other studios did the same thing. I forget who put out the assault on precinct 13 one, but uh, it it would not exist without the Texas chainsaw remake. And that also kind of goes back to what we were talking about, like great art coming out of dark times is, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was right after Vietnam, and it's like kind of a landmark uh, at the time, kind of like grindhousey movie. But like, I mean, it's more—I uh, don't really know how to describe it. It was fairly groundbreaking for its time, and the remake is not that. But I mean, it's it definitely kicked off a trend that has made gotten a lot of movies made,
1: including this one tonight. Rogue Pictures put out the. Remake. That's right. I think we yeah i think we covered covered those movies pretty well you know they've been talked about longer by people who know more about westerns you know like i don't i don't like a lot of westerns but i fucking hate john wayne
0: (laughs) yeah that's and a lot of a lot of the more well-known westerns star him and i kind of can't stand the guy knowing what a fucking douchebag he was but so, I honestly just don't don't find John Wayne that appealing to watch on screen. I, I know this is like absolutely somebody is gonna be fucking pissed that we were saying this shit, but uh, I don't know. find John Wayne really all that appealing on screen. I don't know. He's he he might be in good movies, but he's he's one of those actors. I'm just like, man, I find you annoying. Ethan Hawke, kind of the same way too. Usually, I find him kind of an <laughs> annoying asshole. He's he's kind of more than just the generic asshole. I, I find him as a, uh, appealing as
1: a fucking saltine cracker. Tangent time here at the end. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> new movies to maybe expect being covered on this show. Iron Sky 2 comes out next year. Didn't really like the first one. A lot of people say that.
0: <laughs> I think we covered <laughs> it on the Midnight Horror Show, and I was the one guy that was like, man, I just didn't think this was that fun. I don't know. I might, I might have just been in a crappy mood when I fucking saw it or something, but I remember seeing it and just not laughing. I was being
1: a Grinch that day. Uh, Before we say our goodbyes. We're going to cover the Grinch. We're going to cover the Grinch. And you brought up the Midnight Horror Show, which we believe will be coming back in the new year. But uh, do you have any other projects going on that you'd like to tell people about?
0: Yeah, hopefully the Midnight Horror Show comes back around at the beginning of next year and gets me motivated back a little bit more to doing more podcasts. But uh yeah right now i'm working on the stop motion stuff and um it's been a long time since i worked on any music either i'd kind of like to get back into that here at some point so we're recording this on a night when there's all kinds of fucking shit going down in american politics right now which is just like i'm just waiting for the fucking sky to explode to be perfectly honest like it's it's, it's going up in flames real quick kids like if <laughs> if you're if you're all still out there to hear this by the time this hits the interwebs, then we're doing pretty good because uh, shit's about to go down. I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I think we we stayed a little little bit off topic. Well, we stayed <laughs> we on topic for Hall. for the movies we picked. Ethan Ethan Hawk and Cockroaches and probably John Carpenter will be around after the nuclear winter. Yeah, so basically tonight was the sentencing. So if if you pay attention to the news and whatnot, you'll know when this was. It was the sentencing of the Charlottesville murderer? Um, two sentencing things had have been turned in <laughs> from the Mueller investigation. At least one of them implicates resident Trump uh, in multiple felonies.
0: Individual one who
1: happens to own Trump Tower, Trump Hotel, <laughs> Trump University, Trump Golf Course. Individual one tower, and individual one stakes. And, and yeah, he's, he's having a meltdown on Twitter as per usual. If all this has totally changed, you will not be hearing this part. But yeah, I could do a show every fucking day if yeah i i was i was the hoping it <laughs> continues cohen and flynn and manafort and christmas is coming winter is coming in january <laughs> there will be a democrat controlled congress so we'll see what that looks like in the era of trump assaults on precinct 13 or assault on precincts 13 or <laughs> however you want to pluralize this Assault on precinct 26. Thank you, dude. Usually at the end, you know, we've got the don't let him get you to the second location, Uh, Nazi punks fuck off, how about a nice game of chess? What tidbit of wisdom from either of these movies? Don't trust cops. There we go. Until next time, don't forget to duck and cover.
2: KRS one about to wreck the joint. How a scene opens up at the edge of Detroit. Where the cops go beyond the laws. Where enemies work together by putting their shit on pause. So what does it mean us all from freezing 13? You about to see just what the dirt brings. It's working, that force I am exerting. Like Lawrence Fish when it's time to hurt things. Ethan Hawk, man, he faced all that. I hold a mic like Ja held the baseball bat. I stay ahead. Like a baseball cap, the ways of the world, Chris don't chase all that. We're getting up out of here. That's what's up, that's what's up. Watch me back up the truck. You living with a lot of fear. The crooked cops, you backing me up. We're getting up out of here. That's what's up, that's what's up. Watch me back up the truck. You're through the street, my spirit will speak to those I meet and greet from week to week. I am not my hands and feet. I command and speak as the observer inside the physique. Many rappers tried to compete, of course, but they got smashed like trash in the streets and tossed. Sometimes I think we all just lost. We just flash in and floss in a disastrous course. We don't even know the oneness of the only force. Instead of a golden calf, we got a platinum horse. But what did Moses do with the gold? The background, you frontin' cause it's nothing but laughter. I tag church like the shirt King Turn up the track for assault on recent 13. We get in the body here. Yes, yes, Watch me back a up a the truck. truck. You living with a, a lot of fear. Yes, you back you go. We get enough body here. Yes, yes, sir. Watch me back up the truck. You living with a lot of fear. Yes, you yes, they go. What a conclusion They thought they was winning, but they really was losing He thought he was sinning, but he really was proving That leadership keeps it moving, steady cruising Guns up, funds up, from sun up, the sun up, the sun up up up. Yo, duck, duck, we run up, two down, one up Dope MCs see me and get butterflies in they stomach Others can't speak, they just shut Dope. up KRS on the come up, lift them big pun up, let me sum up Dope MCs, whack MCs, thin MCs, fat MCs, commercial MCs they Turn up, krs one, you know what it means. Turn up the track for assault on recent 13. We're getting the body here. This up, this up. Watch me back up the truck. you living with a lot of fear. All crooked cops, you're backing me up. So up. Cuffs, back in We're getting the body here. This up, this up. Watch me back up the truck. you living with a lot of fear. All crooked cops, you back backing me up. We gotta start. Trust in each other right now if we're gonna make it through this night From criminal minded to spiritual minded and even beyond and behind it Never, Never be afraid to fight or be the lazy type Me, I'm the crazy type I get them clubs so crazy hype I throw the classic on with them ladies like And years later rock what they babies like I blaze the light There may be 8 million ways to die but there's 16 million ways to fight So wherever you are and you're or your car or your tank too Jean Francois would like to thank you right that's why KRS on the mic. Wishing you peace for the rest of the night. Cause at the end of the film, you'll see what it means. Turn up the track for assault on Rizzy 13. Fresh. Fresh. For 2005. You
1: suckers.